Tuesday, everyone. This is Kirsten Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, July 26, 2022. I just like getting straight into the news. I don't know about you guys. So let's hop into our first news story, shall we? Woman opens fire at Dallas airport before police shoot and detain her. A 37-year-old woman opened fire at Love Field Airport in Dallas, Texas on Monday at 10.59 a.m. and was immediately stopped by a police officer who returned fire and neutralized the female shooter. Police Chief Eddie Garcia said in a statement that the woman, quote, gets dropped off, goes inside, and heads toward the Southwest ticketing counters. She went into a restroom where she changed her clothing, put on some kind of hoodie, and then she walked out, produced a handgun, and began firing about this point. A police officer was already in the area, saw the woman, who Garcia said started shooting at the ceiling. The officer shot the suspect and hit her in the lower extremities. She's taken into custody and is currently in Parkland Hospital. No other individuals were injured in this event other than the suspect. Fox News reported that police did originally respond to an active shooter situation, but Garcia said this is was not an active situation. Dallas police told local news that they were called to an officer assist at the airport and that crowds and travelers had been removed from the building. Quote, we want to make sure our community knows that there are no other passengers, family members, or people in the airport that are victims, Garcia concluded. The Federal Aviation Administration had a ground stop in place at the airport, which primarily serves Southwest Airlines, its website states. So, uh, all things considered, well done to that officer. And hey, what do you know? Good guy with a gun stops bad guy with a gun. White House tries to change most commonly used definition of recession ahead of upcoming economic report. I wonder why that is. Well, let's let's dive in. Ahead of second quarter gross domestic product GDP numbers being released this Thursday, the Biden administration is looking to stay astray from how recessions are usually defined. The U.S. economy has already suffered negative GDP growth for the first quarter of the year, meaning that the economy is already in recession if Thursday's numbers show negative growth. Ahead of their release, the Biden administration posted an article to the White House blog answering the question, what is a recession? Well, where they veer from the traditional definition, it says, while some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Naturally, many are interpreting this seemingly out-of-nowhere blog post as being to soften the blow of negative growth numbers this Thursday. It's also possible that the White House is well aware that there will immediately be articles proclaiming a recession on Thursday if growth is negative, and this enables the so-called, quote, fact-checkers to say not-so-fast and limit the spread of that narrative. Hey, by the way, that's why you should be at our conference in Knoxville October 6th through the 8th. We're going to go through propaganda and how we can combat it. But anyways, Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked about the blog post and if its purpose was to hedge bad economic news. Is the White House trying to change the common definition of recession? Because Thursday, the GDP numbers coming out are going to show that we've been in recession, the reporter asked. Well, here's her reply. 
Next week's a very big week for the economy, so I read the CEA blog. Is the White House trying to change the common definition of a recession because next Thursday the GDP numbers coming out are going to show that we've been in a recession? So let me say this, you know, the strength of our labor market along with the other economic uh, factors is what, what we generally see in a recession or even a pre, a pre, what is not what we generally see in a recession or even a pre-recession because we're seeing the strength of the economy and the labor market. So that's really important uh, to note there, there because those are uh, key elements as we talk about that, as folks keep asking us about that. So Americans across the country are back to work uh, at a historic level. 21 states, the most in history, have unemployed rates, unemployment rates at or below 3%. Uh, that is an important number to note. 14 states uh, are now at their lowest unemployment rates since this series began in 1976. And last month, the unemployment rate was a new low in eight states. So again, the strength of our labor market, along with the economic indicators, is not what we generally see uh, as we talk about uh, recession or even pre-recession. But the growth of the jobs, the three months trend, the growth of job growth in the U.S. is, is shrinking, is decreasing, and 7.5 million people, a growing number, are, are multi-jobs, meaning they have to work more than one job to afford a living. So is jobs really a good indicator there? Oh, look, Here's what I would say. We've always talked about the strength of our economy. We've always talked about how historic it's been, and we've always talked about the transitioning, right? The transitioning to more stable uh, and steady growth. And so to your point about uh, the job growth there, this is what we have been kind of stating for the past uh, several months. Look, you know, the economy created 1.1 million jobs in the second quarter. Uh, and so, and around 375 jobs per month. Those are historic numbers. Uh, those are, if you think about the 1.1 the million jobs, we are back to where we were uh, at pre-pandemic levels. So that is what we see as strength of the economy. Again, we're going to transition uh, into a more stable uh, and steady growth. And, uh, and so we're going to continue the work that the president has set out to do uh, to make sure that we continue to deliver for the American people when it comes to the economy. What a bunch of hogwash. Yes, they're historic numbers because our economy was historically shut down by our government. So yeah, when you turn the switch back on, numbers go back up. Folks, don't let woke corporations deal with your payment processing. Because, hey, Dime Payments is a Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system. So please go to dimepayments.com slash FLF and sign your business up. Working with them supports us. They won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump. They won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. Check them out. At least have a phone call with them and tell them that CrossPolitik sent you. Again, that's dimepayments.com slash FLF. In show of pro-abortion brutality, Governor Gretchen Whitmer Jezebel, more like it, just slashed care for pregnant women from Michigan's budget. This is from The Federalist. Last week, Michigan's Democratic governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, voted funding for maternity homes, adoption tax credits, and other budget items that assist pregnant women. While post-Doms, Whitmer and her fellow Democrats seek to conceal the party's pro-abortion agenda by pushing state courts to institute extreme abortion regime they demand in striking from the budget any spending that has a semblance of supporting the choice of life. Whitmer exposes her party's abortion first position.
Democrats do not want the people to decide abortion policy. However, because they know the populace does not support their party's extreme abortion-on-demand position, which is why in Kansas, abortion activists pretend a complete abortion ban is on the ballot. Likewise, in Michigan, rather than the debate abortion policy and push for legislation to implement the public's preferences, Whitmer has instead turned to the state Supreme Court to institute an extreme abortion regime through the Michigan Constitution, while she and her fellow Democrats sidestep debates over limits on abortion. In fact, in announcing that she had asked the Michigan Supreme Court to expedite her lawsuit seeking a declaration of state constitutional right to abortion, Whitmer used nearly identical language to that spoken from the abortion lobby in Kansas. Quote, while politicians in other states rush to ban abortion, even in the instances of rape and incest, which in her worldview, what's wrong with that? Michigan must remain a place where women's ability to make her own medical decisions will be tr- with her trusted health care provider is respected. And she said in a press release, what Whitmer won't tell the public, though, is What she and her fellow Democrats don't want Michiganders to know is that they want abortion, an abortion regime that permits abortion on demand for any reason until the moment of birth. Heck, at this rate, why not after? Paid for by taxpayers. And that is precisely what will be installed on the populace if the Michigan Supreme Court finds a right to abortion in the state constitution. Further, by using the Michigan Supreme Court to achieve this end rather than the legislative process, Democrats can avoid the extremist label. But while Whitmer's rhetoric and her use of the judicial system to achieve her ends may mask Democrats' intent, her line item vetoes in last week's 2022-23 budget make clear where the party stands on abortion. Even if she prefers the courts provide her the bottom line, it is not about choice or helping women. It is about abortion first. Whitmer's stark strikeout from the budget of funds designed to help women choose life or to aid women to have chosen life says it all. The budget items she struck went much beyond assistance to pregnancy resource centers, which since Dobbs have strangely been in Democrats' crosshairs, Whitmer actually struck $4 million allocated for maternity homes that provide safe housing and comprehensive support services without charge for pregnant women who are without a safe home and in need. Whitmer's line item vetoes likewise expose the revolting truth that Democrats prefer abortion to adoption. Here, the Democrat governor struck $2 million in tax credits to adoptive parents and $10 million designed to provide factual information to pregnant women about adoption as an alternative to abortion, including the birth mother's ability to establish a pre-birth plan. No amount of political posturing can overcome the reality seen in the black lines Whitmer used to cross out care for women and their children and hide, as they might, behind activist judges. That budget tells the world Whitmer and her fellow Democrats don't value women or choice or health care. They value abortion and the right to murder God's babies. Disgusting. From one disgusting act to another, Ghislaine Maxwell moved to cushy Florida prison that offers yoga and Pilates. This from Fox News. Ghislaine Maxwell has been transferred to a cushy, low-security federal prison in North Florida to serve out her 20-year sex trafficking sentence, procuring teen girls to be abused by 
her and her the late Jeffrey Epstein. The British socialite, age 60, is now residing at the Tallahassee Federal Correctional Institution, which houses about 755 female inmates, according to the Federal Bureau of Prisoners Database, or Prisons Database. Other notable prisoners who've called the sprawling brick complex home include Russian spy Maria Utina, terrorist Colleen LaRose, a.k.a. Jihad Jane, and nursing home serial killer Catherine May Wood. Garrison, why is this news? Well, I just want us all to keep tabs on her whereabouts for when she inevitably commits suicide. Ho oh, ho, zinger! And that's why you should become a club member, folks, here on Cross Politic. We got zingers left and right. Moving on from Breibert. 1,600 previously convicted criminals caught crossing into a single Texas border sector this year. That's right. Uh, there's crisis left and right under Biden's watch. Del Rio sector border patrol officials sounded the alarm after reporting the apprehension of more than 1,600 previously convicted criminal migrants who illegally entered the U.S. during the current fiscal year. The news comes after the arrest to, on back-to-back days of deported sex offenders. But again, as I just I covered in my last news brief, hey, you know what? They can't help that they're attracted to kids or whatever else have you. They can't help it, okay? The chief reported and his agents apprehended two more criminal aliens on back-to-back days in July. Brackettville Station stagent, uh, agents arrested more. One of those, 61-year-old Jose Francisco Pedromo Amador, what a name, a Honduran national on July 12th, as he attempted to sneak past an interior checkpoint. During a records check, the agents discovered that a Dallas, Texas court had convicted the Honduran man in October of 2017 for sexual assault. After being sentenced to a two-year prison term, ICE enforcement and removal operations officers deported him back to Honduras in 2021. The following day, Carrizo Springs Station agents arrested a Guatemalan migrant who illegally crossed the border from Mexico into Texas with a group of four other migrants. During processing, agents conducted a background investigation and found that a court in Orange County, Florida, convicted the man, Henry Oroxo Miranda, age 42, for lewd and lascivious sexual battery upon the elderly and disabled. Vile animal. The court sentenced him. Four years in state prison, ICE officers deported him in 2015. So, hey, that's what ICE does, for those wondering. They get the worst of the worst out of here. The sector alone counted for 326,177 of the more than 1.6 million migrants apprehended along the U.S.-Mexico border this fiscal year. Build the wall. (laughs) Oh, let's stop and take a moment to talk about the Fight, Laugh, Feast club membership. By joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portal, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll get discounts to our conferences, which, hey, we got one of those coming up in like three months. So if you've got 10 bucks a month to kick our way, you can sign up now at flfnetwork.com or fightlaughfeast.com, either way. Now, it's time for the topic that I love, sports. You all know it by now. Michael Johnson, 
hits out at dumbassery accusations, he, hey, he said it, not me, of black racism leveled at him after he questioned world record 100-meter hurdles, time set by Nigerian athlete Toby Amusen, and insists abuse he received online was unacceptable. Okay, can I just say that that, that title alone could have just been the whole article? Good grief. Track legend Michael Johnson has slammed the dumbassery accusations of black racism directed at him after he raised questions about the legitimacy of Nigerian sprinter Toby Amusen's world record. Again, to even question anything nowadays, that's hate. The 100-meter hurdler romped to victory in 12.12 seconds. This is Amusen's uh, in to beat Kendra Harrison's 2016 world record by eight-tenths of a second at the World Athletics Championships in Oregon on Sunday. Johnson took exception to the times recorded in the stadium, which 12 athletes of 24 in the semifinals recorded their best-ever times. I mean, yeah, doesn't that kind of raise raise some questions? The 54-year-old, who claimed four Olympic golds and eight World Championship golds in stellar track career, took to Twitter after seeing how many athletes looked shocked at their own times. But he was immediately hit with backlash and fumed in response. Quote, the level of dumbassery coming across my feed right now is truly staggering. As a commentator, my job is to comment in questioning the times of 28 athletes, not one athlete, by by wondering if the timing system malfunctioned. 28 of them. My goodness. I was shocked. Uh, I was attacked accused of racism, and questioning the talent of an athlete I respect predicted to win, unacceptable. I move on, end quote. Initially, the American had written, quote, I don't believe 100H, or the 100-meter hurdles times, are correct. World record broken by eight-tenths, 12 personal bests set, five national records set, Andy Cindy Sember, quote, after her personal best national record, I thought I was running slow. All athletes looked shocked. And that was a tweet, by the way. That's why uh, it's a little more difficult to read. But he, too, we were, we were first shown winning time of 12.53. A few seconds later, it shows 12.43. Rounding down by one-tenth is normal. Ten, uh, rounding down by a full tenths is not Amusen became world champion in an even faster time later in the day at Hayward Field, but the time did not count towards records due to a hefty tailwind. But fans on social media were not happy with Johnson, shocker, for mentioning Amusen's world record with one accusing him of, quote, black racism. The Twitter user calling himself Slim Daddy, you know it's going to be good with a username like that, wrote, Michael Johnson, are you naturally this dumb, or do you have to put in effort? Why don't you channel your energy to recovering from your stroke, you black racist? Because we, we need to specify now. One Twitter user claimed Johnson, who now commentates for the BBC, might have been seeking revenge after USA was stripped of the 400-meter Olympic title in 2000, and Nigeria took gold instead. The U.S. 400 team that had Michael Johnson was stripped by the Sydney 2000 Olympic gold medal because Antonio Pettigrew confessed that he doped during the competition, end quote, the tweet read. The Nigerian team was eventually awarded the gold medal. Do you understand his bitterness now, end quote. 
Folks, we're in an age now where any simple statement, analysis, or fact will be met with emotional responses like this. I used to want to pursue a career as a sportscaster, but not in its current state, I don't. I do, however, look forward to the time where we Christians rise up and conquer it, Jesus, by his will. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, share it far and wide. If you want to sign up for our conference, become a club member, or subscribe to our magazine, you can do it all at fightlapfeast.com. Why don't you do all three? And as always, if you'd like to become a corporate partner with Cross Politic, email me at garrison at fightlapfeast.com. Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.